0: We are definitely breaking new ground at the moment. In the spirit realm, through our prayers, and on the earth, through this commitment to unity, I believe we are breaking new ground. We're we we doing something that we, we've never seen before in the same way here in this town. And Jesus said, no one calls new wine into an old wine skin." New wine, the new wine of the kingdom, the new activity of the Holy Spirit needs a new vessel to accommodate what God is doing and what God wants to do. So he has to do a little bit of work with the vessel before he can do a new thing. And I believe that's what God is doing. He's fashioning a new wineskin out of the Christian community as we pray together during these 10 days. Only God can do that. We can make all sorts of plans, but only God can actually do that in the hearts of people. And it feels, for me, a little bit like waking up a giant from a coma. It feels like there is tremendous strength and life in the church <coughs> in topness but there is a bit of waking up to do in the spirit. There is a, there's a, 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 a level that we can be living and operating at that, that needs waking up in God, God we need the power of God for that like, like heaven's defibrillator <laughs> getting our heart pumping again properly we need him so much we need God so much we can do nothing without him and we're not interested in playing church it's really easy to do that <laughs> because we love our church but we want the full outworking of the kingdom of God. And nothing less than that is actually worth living for. We want his presence going before us. We want his presence taking every step we take with us. We want his presence to the left and to the right. We want the real moving of the Holy Spirit in all that we do. Amen. Amen. Okay. So it's been good. To spend some time uh, looking at the Pentecost narrative this year. We've had a few sessions now looking at this whole lead up to this outpouring of the Holy Spirit and what's involved, what what the Bible says happens with this. So uh, we spent some time looking at the importance of gathering together in one place for fervent focused prayer, as the disciples did before Pentecost. Robin Telbert came and spoke of what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Fraser talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit last week. And then next week it's Pentecost. And I want to spend some time as a whole church just enjoying the Holy Spirit as a family. So I'm hoping this is next week is, is going to be a family service, but it's going to be interactive. It's also going to be engaging with what God wants to do on the morning. To find ways to respond to the Holy Spirit as a whole family. But this week, I felt led to talk about the activity of the Holy Spirit in the church. Because if we're going to pray, come Holy Spirit, we need to fully embrace what he does. He does so much for us personally, doesn't he? he? He comes in and he blesses our lives. He reveals to us the incredible love of the Father, doesn't he? He removes our fears, he exposes us to Jesus, the way, the truth and the life. He makes the scriptures come alive, he makes us able to hear the voice of Jesus. He heals our brokenness and fills us with courage. All of that is wonderful. But when I read my New Testament I also read that he upsets the apple carts as well and he thrusts his people out into the world. Amen. This is what he loves to do. The dominant activity in the Holy Spirit throughout the New Testament from the day of Pentecost onwards was to scatter God's people across the world so that more people were exposed to the gospel of salvation. That was his number one activity following Pentecost. Some were sent out to do this as their primary calling like Paul and Barnabas. But you know what? The vast majority we chased out through persecution. And uh, we need to get our heads around that. Yeah. Pentecost happens. The Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit uh, fills the hearts of the believers. Fills the church. And the first thing that happens was their houses and their lives were turned upside down and they had to run for their lives. That's, that's something to get your head around. Let's uh, read some of Acts. So this is Acts 8 verses 1 to 8. You can follow it in your Bibles. Now, Saul agreed to being an accomplice to Stephen's stoning. He was the first martyr. And participated in his execution. And from that day on, a great persecution of the church in Jerusalem began. All believers scattered into the countryside of Judea and among the Samaritans except the apostles who remained behind in Jerusalem. God-fearing men gave Stephen a proper burial and mourned greatly over his death. Then Saul mercilessly persecuted the church of God, going from house to house into the homes of believers to arrest both men and women and drag them off to prison. Although the believers were scattered by persecution, they preached the wonderful news of the word of God wherever they went, Philip travelled to a Samaritan city and preached to them the wonderful news of the Anointed One. The crowds were eager to receive Philip's message and were persuaded by the many miracles and wonders he performed. Many demon-possessed people were set free and delivered as evil spirits came out of them with loud screams and shrieks and many many who were lame and paralysed were also healed. This resulted in uncontainable joy filling that city (laughs) well so the Holy Spirit spread the gospel at supernatural speed by physically moving believers into untouched areas as carriers of the infectious love of God we could say that through this persecution the good news went viral it just spread in a way that nobody expected it to We use the term going viral to talk about how videos get spread so broadly, so quickly on the internet. So, Collins Dictionary describes going viral as a video, image, or a story that spreads quickly and widely on the internet through social media and email. But there's. So, think of it this way. A video image or a story gets passed beyond all expectation, and the people who posted that video are always shocked at how far it goes. The gospel was like that, nobody expected that kind of broad spread. It just went on and on and on there 's also uh, a medical sense the word viral too, isn't it? According to netdoctor.co.uk viral and bacterial infections are both spread in basically the same ways. A person with a cold can spread the infection by coughing and or sneezing. It's time to cough now if you're ready to cough. Okay, we're all catching it. Bacteria or viruses can be passed on by touching or shaking hands with another person. No more touching. Um... Touching food with dirty hands will also allow viruses or bacteria from the intestine to spread. Nice. Bodily fluids, enough said. Um, That's how viruses pass on. In a new study, researchers from the University of Arizona, Tuscan, discovered that contamination of a single doorknob can lead to the spread of viruses throughout an office building or a hotel in as little as two hours. They placed a tracer virus on commonly touched objects such as a doorknob or a tabletop at multiple time intervals. From two to eight hours, the researchers sampled a range of surfaces, including light switches, bed rails, countertops, sink tap handles, etc., and push buttons. Sorry. They found that between 40 and 60% of the surfaces were contaminated within two to four hours. That's amazing, isn't it? Incredibly quick spread of a virus and this is like a picture of what the Holy Spirit is seeking to do sounds a bit sacrilegious to uh, say that the Holy Spirit is like a virus but I'm just trying to explain how the Holy Spirit works in the environments that this study took place the people were living in close proximity yet continually moving and that's what spread this virus throughout those buildings it touched everybody remarkably quickly because there was this, there's this transfer that just kept happening and happening and happening. Or with the Gospel, the same principles apply. Salvation is spread by believers who are moving and living in close proximity with non-believers, carrying with them the infectious presence of God. So in the book of Acts, we could say that people began to catch the blessing like an epidemic. It was just spreading at that kind of speed. Entire villages and cities were quickly responding to this Gospel message. But there was movement of believers first. You have to have that movement if you're going to spread the infection, if you like. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It has to be movement first. God is still in the business of repositioning believers today. And God will even use persecution and painful circumstances to move you from one place to another if He wants you somewhere else. Are you comfortable with that? How many of us have had to move because of difficult circumstances only to find out that there's an opportunity that opens up in the next place? Maybe we've all experienced losing a job or having to give up your job because it's too unhealthy because there's a horrible tribunal that's happening or your boss is a nightmare or uh, it's too stressful. The work hours are ridiculous and you can't hold it down and family and everything else. And there's like a push factor that pushes you out of that job because you think, I just cannot do this anymore for some reason. And it's painful. It's often confusing and anxious. But as we go forward, we discover new things, right? We don't stay in that painful, anxious place forever, actually. God will lead us to somewhere new, where new things open up and life begins again. And we see that there's actually maybe some purpose in this journey that we've had. You can usually only see it with hindsight. When you're going through it, it's just horrible. I remember when uh, I first felt called to train as a Baptist minister, uh, and I was accepted in a couple of different colleges I was accepted in Bristol and in Spurgeons in London and the usual way this happens is you get accepted by the college and then they provide you with a placement so a church, either a big church will, will invite you to come as an associate pastor or a small church will come in and invite you to be their sole pastor of the church and um, at that time two colleges with a huge network I could, they couldn't find me a single placement So I was there waiting for about six months, saying, well, am I moving, am I not? I don't know, I can't stay doing what I'm doing because my business uh, was being really hit by the recession and it was really hard to to make that pay, but we were just about doing okay. Uh, But I couldn't do that indefinitely. I sold off some of my machines in preparation for moving forward. And all we needed now was this placement, so we knew where we would go. We could then get tenants for our house, that we had to sort out, we could then find somewhere to live, we could move a whole lot over. And to make things worse, our eldest daughter Esther needed to start school somewhere. We had to put her down on a list for a primary school. And when, she, when it's your first, you, you want to get these things right. By the time you get to your fourth, they're like, yeah, that'll be fine. But... <laughs> yeah, but with Esther, it was just like, we, we've got to find where she's going to go, we've got to start talking to her about this. Maybe put her in a preschool uh, for a few weeks beforehand so that she can get to know some friends to go to school with. It's going to be a big upheaval for her. We wanted to get this right. It was all a bit stressful, to be honest. And I remember um, we set a deadline for it. That We said, if we don't know by such and such a date in June, we're just going to have to postpone it for another year. And I'm just going to have to work out what we're doing for a year. And... Uh, it was on that weekend that we were invited to come work with Ichthus in London. And so we, we, we prayed about that. Lord, this seems to be the door you're opening for us. Is this what you want us to do? We felt right about that. Okay, well, let's do that then. Let's move to London. Here we go. And then we then had six weeks to try and get tenants for our house and, and find a place to live in London. And to be honest, it was quite stressful. It was all a bit last com, And it was hard. And... Property is so expensive in London. It sort of made our eyes water up, so we were looking around to find rentals, and we couldn't find a single rental for, uh, that was uh, less than what my salary was. So my salary didn't even cover the rent on the smallest place we could find. And so we were like, okay, do we do that? And we did, and we said, God, God will provide, that's where we're going to go. But it was hard work and it was difficult, but you know what, that time of stress and uh, anxiety and confusion and not being able to stay where we are and needing to move forward was actually a time that preceded one of the most fruitful times I've ever had in ministry where I saw the Holy Spirit do more in those few months that we were there than any time preceding that it's interesting isn't it? I wouldn't change it for the world But when I was going through it, it was hard. Brothers and sisters, we need to trust Him. When life goes really passionate, when you can't stay where you are, when you're in that difficult transition time, we need to trust that God has plans and purposes. He will never leave you or forsake you. He has not abandoned you in those moments, even if it feels difficult. He has purposes. To fulfill through you. He has opportunities that he can only fulfill if you'll let him move you forward. I don't believe he's always the author of what moves us forward. He's not always the one that causes the trouble. <laughs> I think he does sometimes. But he's not always that one that, that brings us the pain. But he is someone that can use that pain to bring us to where we need to be. Yeah. And we can trust him in that. He will reposition you for his wonderful purposes if you will let <laughs> him. This guy, has anyone read The Heavenly Man? Brother Yun, a bit of a legend. Uh, He was part of the Chinese church when the Chinese church was just growing so fast as an underground movement, uh, largely through persecution and people having to flee from one place to another to get away from the government, Uh, but the gospel spread so fast across China. And uh, he was in prison several times, went through a huge amount of trauma and yet he was somebody who trusted that God would position him exactly where he needed to be for the people that God wanted to reach. Uh, Not everyone can live at that kind of intense level, but it's great to know that there are people here that have tested this theory to the max, (laughs) that God is faithful and he can do amazing things if we let him lead us in our lives despite persecution. And he says this at the end of his book. He says, if we truly claim to follow Jesus, then we must do so without imposing any conditions or self-made plans. If God tells us to go back to China, one day we will. It's as simple as that. Some people may say, well that's stupid. Don't you know that you're a wanting criminal and you'll be arrested as soon as you arrive? We're not called to live by human reason. All that matters is obedience to God's word and his leading in our lives. If God says go, we'll go. If he says stay, we'll stay. When we are in his will, we're in the safest place in the world. Do you like that? Can we say that? That's a challenge to me. I don't know if it is to you. Can we say that? Is that where I am right now? That I'm willing to go wherever and to do whatever in obedience to God. My life is laid down. My life is yielded to the Holy Spirit. Can we say that? God wants to know what we're up for before He releases His activity into our lives. I want to read you one more passage. This is from Acts 17. So, it says this. After passing through the cities of Amphipolis and Apollonia, Paul and Silas arrived at Thessalonica. And then jumping out to verse 4. Some of the Jews were convinced that their message was true. So they joined Paul and Silas along with quite a few prominent women and a large number of Greeks who <coughs> worshipped God. So the Gospels breaking out in Thessalonica. But many of the Jews were motivated by bitter jealousy and formed a large mob out of troublemakers and savoury characters and street gangs to incite a riot. <coughs> they set out to attack Jason's house, for he had welcomed the apostles into his home. And the mob was after Paul and Silas and sought to take them by force and bring them out to the people. When they couldn't find them, they took Jason instead, along with some of the brothers in his house, uh, in his house church, and dragged them before the city council. Along the way they screamed out, those troublemakers who have turned the world upside down have come here to our city. The Lord is still looking for troublemakers, I think, who are prepared to turn the world upside down through obedience to his Holy Spirit. I don't think God has changed his priorities since Pentecost, really. He still needs people who are willing to say, use me, send me. I'll stay, I'll go, I'll do what you want me to do, but Holy Spirit, would you work through me somehow to impact my area? In this story, the people of Thessalonica felt that the whole world had been turned upside down because of the activity of the Holy Spirit. It's been a long time, I think, since we felt the whole world was turned upside down because of the activity of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But if this is God's purpose, this is God's plan, this is how God wants to use little old me and little old you, it comes down to whether we say yes or not. In Antioch, another place mentioned in the book of Acts, in Acts 13, it says God's Word spread like wildfire throughout the whole region. Despite real pain and real hardship, the people of the New Testament lived under a a wonderfully open heaven and saw incredible miracles, a real outpouring of blessing and grace and transformation. So the question I've got for us. This morning is this one. Do you want the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Do you want the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Do you want just the part where He heals and restores and your, your, your courage and your joys grows? Or do you want the fullness of the Holy Spirit that turns the world upside down? Maybe this is a better question. Is the Holy Spirit allowed to upset your apple cart for the sake of the Gospel? Because I believe the Holy Spirit wants an answer from us, on those questions. He wants an answer from me. And I believe He wants an answer from you too, because He won't encroach beyond what you let Him. You know, if you say, God, I want to serve you, but I'm doing it in these comfortable confines. I believe you will respect that. But I believe if we are truly open to what God wants to do, regardless of how that changes our circumstances, because it's your will, not mine, be done. If we're saying, God, this is not about me, this is about you, this is about your kingdom. My life was a ruined mess, I have been redeemed. You have brought me by your precious blood into your family. I am now yours to do with as you see fit that's where we are, that's what it means to be a believer but I believe that we need to frequently ask this question am I willing for God to upset my apple cart? this morning I want to invite us to pray some dangerous prayers Hmm. to put your life on the altar again to say it's not about me, it's about you I don't want to celebrate Pentecost without the health, health warning that comes with it. <clears throat> Let's pray. And maybe the band could come and set that up. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the way that. The Gospels and Acts, your whole word, Old Testament and New, it doesn't sugarcoat anything. It doesn't give us an idealistic version of events. Lord, we don't look at this following you business with rose-tinted specks because of your word. Lord, we can see, God, that this is not for the faint-hearted. Lord, you call us on an adventure. Lord, you call us through sacrifice, through dying to ourselves, our own ambitions and our plans, learning to love, learning to serve, learning to be people who have incredible capacity for intimacy and for courage because we've given our lives to you. Father, I believe that you want us to ask this question. Am I willing to have my life upset in any way for the sake of the gospel of salvation? I believe, Father, that is still your number one priority. That this news of Jesus and what he's done would reach every ear, every eye, every heart in this world. And I do believe that we are the number one agents to do that. So God will lead us. Give us courage to trust you through transition. And help us to pray the prayers that will release you to move us to where we need to be that your gospel might go viral in this area. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.